Welcome to this week's episode of the Founder and the Force Multiplier podcast, where we explore how founders and leaders work together with their right-hand partners to turn ideas into action and build wildly successful businesses. Today, I am speaking with the co-founders of Variantista, Catherine Williams, and Derek Scarpacci. Variantista is a bespoke content writing and strategy brand. Their mission is to help brands build a unique online presence that educates, inspires, and connects them with their audience on a deeper, personal level. Derek is a visionary with a passion for international business. Derek works exclusively with C-suites and thought leaders through one-on-one coaching sessions to advise on every facet of their business. From strategizing to condense five years worth of growth into one year, internal process optimization for exit strategies, capturing a brand's vision and breaking it down into smart goals, finding and seizing lost profits by optimizing production efficiency, to providing clarity in next steps when business owners feel stagnant. After 13 years in education, working as a literacy specialist, ESL teacher, and curriculum developer, Catherine transitioned full-time into her passion, writing. With 10 years of freelance copywriting under her belt, she's watched marketing, branding, and SEO tactics change with a rapidly evolving business landscape. This was a great conversation about the power of human connection, the future of AI, entrepreneurship, and brand building that all founders and their force multipliers can learn from. Derek and Catherine are also offering an exciting bonus to all of our podcast listeners. Head to Variantista.com at the link in the show notes and fill out the contact form with the note Founder and Force Multiplier Podcast Listener to receive your free 1500 word article with the purchase of a content strategy. If you enjoyed this episode as much as I think you will, then be sure to let us know in all of the usual places, such as leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this episode. Hello, Catherine and Derek. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today. Very excited to have you here. Um, and we're going to just jump right in. So for those of our listeners who are not familiar with Variantista, can you give us a little bit of a history uh, about how and why you started this company? Why don't you start? Absolutely. So Variantista kind of started um, like all great companies do with a bit of a dream and a lot of hard work. Yeah. Uh, it started with Catherine is truly a talented writer and has a passion for writing. Um, and that's why she's a co-founder. <laughs> uh, and then I also just have an absolute passion for building businesses and systematizing things and, and building these massive, beautiful puzzles. Um, and so we decided to kind of partner up together, mm-hmm. uh, both in life and uh, in a business venture, and kind of turn our first business into one of Catherine's greatest passions, which yeah. is speaking to people and the eloquence of words and speech um, and the power of storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's amazing. And tell me a little bit about um, the name of the company and what it means. So Avariantista is a philologist. Now, for those of you who don't know what a philologist is, because I definitely didn't before we started this, a philologist is someone who chooses the perfect words. It's a wordsmith of the highest caliber. And so we chose the name Variantista for our brand because we wanted to go with something different, but we wanted to go with something that meant something. Because our passion is to connect brands with their audience on a very deep level. And my specific passion is to capture brands' voices and help them figure out how to position themselves as a unique entity within their market and within their industry. And so one of the ways that I know to do that through 10 years of freelancing experience and also just as a creative writer myself from long before that, 
the best way to do that is to find the words that best express both who you are and what your audience needs to hear. It's a very delicate balancing act. And so when we were um, bouncing off name ideas for uh, for Variantista, um, it went through a lot of ideations. And then Derek suggested, why don't we look at other languages? And we both have studied multiple languages. And so it was really surprising to me that that hadn't even occurred to me. And so we delved into several different languages and he came back with this Italian word and it was perfect. Yeah, I think it encapsulates um, your company so well. And I, I also do that too, going back to, I like to look at Latin words a lot, Italian mm-hmm. words. Um, they're so rich in meaning sometimes that yeah. I think sometimes the English language does miss. Um, so yep. I think that's cool that you incorporated that into your, um, to your brand. Um, what did, kind of tell me a little bit about what you did before you started your entrepreneurial journey. Were you full on entrepreneurs before, or did you have some corporate gig that you, that you decided to <laughs> give up? <laughs> So that is a very long story. For me personally, I'm a bit older than him. Um, When I went to school, I went to school for theater, actually. Um, But I knew that I wanted to be a writer, too. And I thought, well, maybe I want to be a performer and do writing in Hollywood, or maybe I want to go to New York. And then life had different plans. I still like to perform um, on the side. And it's a good it's a good hobby at the moment, maybe someday professionally again. But Um, anyway, I studied that and then I ended up going to grad school a few years later. And when I came back to the United States from grad school, I was struggling to find work because everybody was saying I was overqualified Mm. and I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? I have an advanced degree. I have years of experience in education. I know how to write. I know how to do all these things. I've been working as a freelancer, but it's not paying the bills. Like, what do I do? And Derek suggested that I go and I start teaching in China. He was like, you can save up some money. You can get some professional experience. You can really kind of orient yourself and experience the outside world of what you're used to. And I was like, okay. So I went and I taught English in China for a few years. And um, when we came back, he joined me at some point. I can't remember exactly what year at this moment, but he joined me over there at some point. And we, during COVID, came back to the States and we decided that, okay, let's start the business that we've been talking about for so long. Let's go into business for ourselves. I, that's kind of a piecemeal story. He can put in the rest of the, he can fill in the rest of the blanks. <laughs> uh, on my side, uh, I've always been entrepreneurial. Yeah, he has. Uh, I mean, like when I was three years old, I could sell ice to a polar bear, I, <laughs> which actually today, I guess, isn't that hard. But uh, <laughs> maybe ice to an Eskimo is a little bit better. Um, and so I, I've always just been fascinated with uh, interpersonal relationships and the dynamics between buyers and sellers and that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I actually, let's see, we started Variantista about a year after I got out of college mm-hmm. as well, throughout college, we kind of kicked around ideas mm-hmm. of different businesses and a couple different freelance ideas and maybe doing some like white labeling using Fiverr and then repackaging. Yeah. Um, and really what we found was just uh, there's a lot of that already out there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And there's a lot of like marketing companies specifically that charge you an arm and a leg, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I genuinely believe like you get what you pay for, Mm -hmm. except that I feel like in marketing, sometimes you don't. And I know people are going to be coming for me on that one, but it's so important. Like that, that was what, where we came from was like these marketers, they do one thing or they do another thing. Um, and they do that really well, but they're struggling to, to a connect with their clients yeah. and B then use that connection to communicate their clients, uh, wants, desires, needs yeah. to the customers. Can I interject? Yeah. That was something I did freelance writing while I was in college and while I was overseas. Um, and that was something that I found quite frequently was that oftentimes um, I would work with clients who'd either been burned by previous people they'd worked with because you know they didn't understand their voice or they didn't do proper um, research or you know they just gave them words on a page and then the thing didn't perform. And I really learned that it takes a very delicate combination of um, technical skills on the writing side, but also industry knowledge of the subject matter, as well as um, knowing how Google, specifically Google, all search engines, but specifically Google work um, in order to make marketing work these days. It's not just, it's not enough to just have solid um, marketing principles behind you anymore. Anyway, continue. So personally for me, like before Variantista, I was at college. Yeah. I mean, because during college or university and then after university, it was just constant iterations of like, okay, so you work on this content mill, you work on that content mill. Here's what they're doing right. Here's what they're doing wrong. Here's mm-hmm. where the clients are being served very well and underserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just constantly like writing down notes, like all the time. Like, <laughs> okay, so they do this really well. All of but- my complaints. He's <laughs> like, I'm just, I'm just going to file those away and I'll remind you in three weeks. Uh- <laughs> and then that's, after- that's what great companies are, are born, I think, is by exactly. identifying those problems and then finding the unique solution to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's exactly, yeah. that's exactly what happened. It was just like, sit down with all of those notes and then go, okay, here's what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, <clears throat> so let's talk about um, some of the challenges that you've had while building this company. Obviously we love hearing about the success stories, um, yeah. but we can learn a lot and our listeners can learn a lot from some of the, the failures or the mistakes or just some of the challenges that you had to work through um, as you're, you were building your, your organization. Um, so does, do any come to mind and maybe what did you learn from them? Yeah. So for me personally, I'm, I'm a very open person. I'm very open to new experience, but I'm very risk averse. And so he, ever since we got to know each other about seven years ago, has been pushing me. And he's like, I really think you'd be good in business. I really think you're better at talking to people than you know. I know you know you're good at writing, but I think you're better with people than you than you understand. And it's been about seven years of me going, I don't know. I think you're wrong. I'm not sure. I just, but what about money? What about this? You know, and just constantly playing that what if game in my head. And I finally, in the last year, really come to a point where I'm like, you know what? We can do this. And I can do this. And it's it's been a lot. It's been really hard because there's a lot that you have to unlearn. 
Mm. And there's a lot of things like in your past that maybe that's maybe the, the risk aversion served me once because I was in a situation that was out of my control or I didn't know what was going on around me or I hadn't grown up enough yet. I hadn't experienced enough of the world. But I realized very slowly that a lot of the things for me personally that I used to protect myself mm-hmm. are no longer helpful. They, I think they were once, but they, they, they don't matter anymore. I just find like I, I had applied all these arbitrary rules to my life mm-hmm. that were very much mm-hmm. holding me back. Like, I don't want to talk on the phone to, to, to sell to people or yeah. to tell, yeah. to help people. And that was one of the things that he constantly had to tell me. He's like, you're not selling to people. You're helping people. That's the purpose. That's what you're doing. And I'm like, yeah, that's exactly why we started this. He's like, right. So you don't need to be afraid of talking to people and showing them how you can help them. And it's, it's taken a long time, but I finally had that light bulb go off in my head and I'm like, okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Letting go of the things that don't serve you, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Lesson here. Which is an amazing lesson in so many ways. Um, Yeah. And Derek helping kind of coach you through some of that. Was there tools or resources that you use to kind of go through that unlearning process? Um, a lot of, a lot of psychology, a lot of psychology. Um, So like, I'm, I'm very much a trainer at heart, a helper. Uh, I'm, I'm a vision. Like I Mm -hmm. absolutely like, I'm the big ideas type of person. It's like, here's your hundred billion dollar idea. I can tell you exactly how to do it. I have no interest in putting way. And then I'm like, let me put all the little details together. Let me make it beautiful. Let me make it perfect. I love this. So in the beginning, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of fundamentals of psychology in terms of uh, uh, setting intentions, Mm -hmm. understanding intentions, meditation. Uh, Also the book, 12 months to a million. Mm -hmm. That's not psychology, but I, I, the author's name is escaping Ryan. I don't want to misquote it, but 12 <laughs> months to a million. Excellent yes. book. Yes. Excellent. Excellent book. Um, it's, it's more for like the, the store online store owner. Yeah. But there's important, um, there's certain ways to think when you want to be a business owner or an entrepreneur, you have to think differently than an employee Yeah, or even in a man or a manager. And that was the hardest transition for me. Yeah. And so the tools, I, I just, it's just escaping me at the moment. There's so many of the tools were like little videos on YouTube and mm-hmm. um, talking to some corporate trainers mm-hmm. and all different types of things. And- I know for me personally, I started really doing the the mental work about four years ago. Um, when I was living in China, because I didn't like the way that my life was looking. I mean, I was living in China, I was happy. Um, I was traveling, and I was teaching, and I enjoyed it. But I I'd begun to realize that there were, there were things about myself that I didn't like. And there were ways that I was thinking that were not positive. And I couldn't figure out why, because it was one of those things like I I wanted to turn my attitude around. I had been a happy person. And so I had to figure out what happened? And is there a reason for me feeling this way? And then what can I do to help myself through it? And it took a while to figure Mm -hmm. out the difference between um, sulking and actually letting myself grieve and let go of things so that I could move forward and grow as a person. Um, And as I started working through um, just some very difficult personal things, I started to find that 
yes, it was very difficult, but every single day I was a little happier. I was, I had a slightly better outlook on life. Um, and a lot of that was thanks to him being very patient, um, and helping me remember, like, you have dreams. I know you don't feel them right now. I know you don't see them anymore. I'm here to help you remember that they're there. And actually to, to that point, the best tool, mm-hmm. like the best tool I think anybody can ever have in their tool belt for anything. And I mean this like anything. <laughs> uh, Mel Robbins talks about it, uh, who I love, but she's fantastic. amazing, is the five seconds. Yeah. Uh, when you hit a wall or you don't want to do something like she, the famous clip is her talking about getting out of bed, right? Yeah. It's yeah. Like, say, I'm going to get out of bed. Five, four, three, two, one. And then you do it. Yep. And giving yourself there, there's, there's a balance mm-hmm. between telling yourself what you're going to do and allowing yourself to, um, to take a moment to absorb that, whether or not you want to do it and mm-hmm. then do it anyway. Yeah. Um, because yeah, like a, a lot of people when they're trying to go from employee to entrepreneur mm-hmm. or just into, or just employee to employee, like going from like uh, one set of skills, like uh, corporate banking to mm-hmm. all of a sudden like a retail thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you just sh- try to shove a new personality into yourself yeah, or try to shove new skills. That doesn't work. I it, tried. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. <laughs> Because you're you're suppressing these important mm-hmm. feelings, yeah, but right. you can't let them run away, right? You can't. So that five seconds of taking the moment to realize what's going on and then doing what you have to do mm-hmm. is is the right balance. Yeah. So best tool. Yeah, and yeah. I would say for for those who maybe the counting down doesn't work. One of the things that I used to tell myself and still tell myself when I'm not feeling motivated, if I do that and it doesn't work, then I remind myself, I'm like, okay, well, I have decided that every day for the rest of my life, when I feel stuck, I'll just do the next right thing. Whatever that thing is, whatever the next right thing for me to do is, I'm going to do it. And sometimes you don't know what that is. So -hmm. then you have to take a step back and you have to go, okay, I'm going to write out all of the things that I need to do. I'm going to prioritize them. And then I'm going to say, okay, so which one of these is right? And sometimes it's interesting because sometimes the right thing for you to do isn't even on that list. And then like then sometimes the right thing is to get an ice cream and call it and a day, call it a day. Yeah. Go back, you know <laughs> yeah. and you know it's it, that's no, so interesting okay. because they're so um those things are usually so much smaller than we make them out to be like the next right that's, thing yeah. might might just be making a list um right. exactly going and writing a brand new content plan Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm definitely guilty of um, working way too much, which is one of those things that it's great for when you're in the zone and you're really working on a project and it's going to be fantastic. But it's not so great when your list is just getting longer and longer and longer and longer. <laughs> um, so some of the things I've, I've noticed just um, by talking to you both here today. Mm-hmm. Um, is the partnership between the two of you and that I'm hearing, you know, the big ideas, the visionary, and then you love to get in and like make it happen, Mm -hmm. um, Catherine. So talk to me a little bit about how you um, work together and what makes your business partnership successful. I love this. I love this question (laughs) because um, in business, you generally have to have a partner. There's very few one man bands out there. 
And at some point, it doesn't matter how good you are, you have to hand it over, mm -hmm. right? Because you can't work 10,000 hours, right? No. That's why you have employees. And at some point, you have to. Um, there's two things. First thing, I think we have a unique uh, a, a, a unique set of circumstance because we're, mm -hmm. we're also in a relationship yeah. while also in a business relationship. Um, and so that is terrible and wonderful all at the same yeah, time. Yeah, because sometimes you say, okay, we're not going to talk about it. We're, we're at dinner. And guess what you talk about? We're yeah. all dinner long. So, <laughs> so the, the first thing, the first thing is just, and this comes with the uh, duality of both the relationships mm -hmm. of the business and the personal is absolutely get into it. Like yeah. absolutely don't get into a screaming fight of pettiness, <laughs> but absolutely like it's okay to be a, a little bullheadish yeah and 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 let let the ideas get out there yeah right let mm -hmm. it be on the table yeah um and then after after we've butt heads mm -hmm. after there's been that no this is this is gonna ruin the company or whatever <laughs> uh then it's, <laughs> then it's like a, okay let's take a deep breath yeah and yeah. now let's 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 get critical Right. Yeah. I, I love this part about what you just said. I'm fearful, like I'm genuinely fearful mm -hmm. or I'm skeptical or, or something of this other portion that you said. And it's that combination of the first step is do not be afraid to say what you think. And mm -hmm. it's hard. Yeah. Whether it's a business relationship or a personal relationship, mm -hmm. you are afraid of being judged. Yeah. Um, even the most confident people uh, still struggle with that. Cause I'm an extremely like, here I am, take it or leave it type of person. Yeah. But I know that especially like business conversations that happens. So the first uh, thing is. Yeah. Hey. Sorry. I was just going to just say that um, and just kind of echo what you said about that whole, the transparent communication in yeah. partnership. But what I also noticed is that you have, uh, which I think is super important is that you've agreed to those terms of engagement. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yeah, I think without that agreement, it could go south very quickly. Yes, yes. absolutely. Yeah. That is a really good point. It, yeah, It's something that we actually, before we went into business, we employed in our personal relationship. And there are days when we we really don't want to, where it's like, I, we, I know that we've had this conversation before, but we're going to have it again because this is still bugging one of us right. and we have to resolve it, you know? Um, and it can be really hard because you don't you don't want to have conflict, but conflict is healthy as long as you are remembering to respect the other person in the midst of your disagreement. Yeah. Yeah. Rules of engagement are really important. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why there's just that two step process of like, yeah. let's get the ideas out there, mm -hmm. whether they're good, bad, ugly, whether I horrifically disagree or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then second, like, let's take a deep breath and let's think critical. Right. Let's yeah. put aside our feelings yeah. for like the second portion. You have to put aside feelings. Yes. Because especially like in business, this is not personal in business. <laughs> like you got to put aside the feelings and now you got to go, okay, what did the numbers say? Mm -hmm. Like it might be the best idea in the world, but if you don't have the money, you don't have the money. Right. So right. you either find the money or you don't do it. Mm -hmm. um, how do you divide the, uh, like, how do you decide like who does what role or who is doing what projects? Is it pretty clearly defined mm -hmm. in your organization because you are, you know, in your co-founders um, yeah. who, you know, how do you decide who is doing what parts of the business? Well, some of the things it's really easy. Like we're both very good writers, but I am faster. 
Um, and I've been doing this for much, I've been doing this for much longer. I started studying writing when I was a little kid because I want to be a novelist. Um, and so like, I'm very good at teaching writing to other people. I'm very good at scanning a piece in like a minute and going, this is publishable. This is not, this is why fix this. Um, and so like that aspect of things, that was a very clear cut and dry Catherine do this every once in a while, I'll run something past him. Um, but at this point, that's pretty much my domain. Um, yeah. When it comes to putting like a system together, oftentimes we'll end up working together because we're both very good at developing systems. He's really good at making things efficient, though. So mm. I'll go through and like kind of we'll bounce ideas off of each other. He'll give me the big picture if he's like, OK, I think these things will go together. Go and see how this works. And so then I'll go and I'll see kind of what comes together. And if I can get it to work, great. If not, I'll bring it to him and we'll. Um, piece things together again and then we run it for a while and then he goes okay let me see it and how can we make it efficient and then he'll spend a little time on it and then the next thing you know he'll come back to me and be, he'll be like okay here's how you can speed this up by like three days and I'm yeah. like great great <laughs> fantastic so those things are kind of cut and dry everything else uh honestly the the process is is pretty Pretty much similar in the sense that, like, because I'm the visionary, mm -hmm. I get lost. It's so weird. So I can see all the details. But if I start doing the details, I get very lost. Yeah. Like, I get very lost and very demotivated. Yeah, he does. So I generally spew the very large ideas. And she sits and types, like, furiously. Yeah. And we got, like, five recorders going yeah. and everything. To make sure that we have the whole system. And say, okay, get back to me in two days. Tell me what, yeah. you know, tell me where you get from there. Uh, and then it, and then it just becomes iteration, iteration back and forth. Okay. I'll take this or she'll take that depending yeah. on our strengths. Um, and yeah. Yeah. I think every uh, visionary and I, cause I meet with visionaries often. Every visionary needs a Catherine mm -hmm. needs visionary and builders but yeah. i would yeah, be lost exactly. without him which is actually what i told him at the very right, beginning yeah. when we met i was like i have all these ideas for my life and no idea how to execute any of them <laughs> yeah and now that is a serious challenge for the for the relationship slash company though is yeah. because um you feel obligated to mm -hmm. help with the other person's role yeah because yeah. you know but it's like we got to, there has to be a line because uh, mm -hmm. you have to play to your strengths yeah, and right. you know, you can bolster your weaknesses by developing yourself, but also like you have the other person to bolster your weaknesses. Yeah, so exactly. stop feeling guilty for, for doing your job well yeah. and allowing them to do their job well. And yeah. that's hard sometimes. Cause you're just like, maybe I'll just like, sometimes I'm like, maybe I'll just get on and write like five articles. Right. It's like, that's not worth it because she can do that in like a, easily a tenth of the time that I can. Yeah. Right. And you can go and you can be, your time might be better spent doing something else. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. How do you make, let's talk about business decisions. Um, as co-founders, how hmm. are business decisions made? Um, is it a unanimous decision? Is it, does somebody get veto power? How does that work in your partnership? Uh, it's generally mutual. I don't yeah. think that we've made any decisions where we didn't at the end agree on what we were doing. Um, generally, the yeah, it's generally mutual. If it's a business business decision mm -hmm. and we disagree, I generally get 
I generally yeah, I'll defer to him just it. because of his expertise in this area. But if it's a writing thing, yeah, then if we disagree, well, we a writing or content or content, content in general, except for overall marketing. But yeah. yeah, um, yeah, so rarely, very rarely happens. I can think of like one since the you know for years i think that that's because we hash out so many ideas and any potential red flags in the brainstorming problem solving phase that by the time we reach the end we've already kind of got a framework and we understand like this is what's going on this is where we're at and so we really only have three options to work with within this so then what's your gut say you know yeah. Okay. That's great. I love that. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, content and branding a little bit. Um, what are three things that you feel business owners, founders, entrepreneurs should know when they're starting to build their brand or should do when they're starting to build their brand? Hmm. Okay. You want to go? Um, I'll do two. Okay. Because the these two really... Like they get me. Okay. First one. Uh, and it's probably not the first thing they should do, but it's definitely something that's at the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to think about a blog. Mm. People don't like that answer at no. all. They don't because they're like, well, why would you read a blog about, I don't know, like lawnmowers? It's like a hundred percent. You are right. Except that there's a there hundred blogs out there about lawnmowers. <laughs> right. There are very few people in this world that are going to be coming back to your blog every single day to see your new post about lawnmowers. Mm-hmm. However, when we're talking about organic traffic and searchability, mm-hmm. a blog is going to win nine times out of 10 mm-hmm. and it's free other than producing the content. Once yeah. it's there, you don't have to run ads. You don't have to have, you know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. so you have to have the budget to produce the blog itself. But um, yeah, that's the cost. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Well, and I mean, it's a hard one because so many business owners, they, they struggle to see the value because it's not, um, it's not. It, it can take time. It can yeah. take, uh, when we're talking fast track, and I mean like sprinting, like Usain Bolt's mm-hmm. speed. Uh, it's going to be like six months till we see even like the small results. Mm-hmm. It can take a year to two years before we really start to see some serious, really good organic traffic. Yeah. Um, and it really impact your sales. Yeah. I mean, we generally see with our clients six to 12 months. Yeah. And I mean, there's things that you can do to speed that up. Um, but generally, if you're just doing the blog and you're not doing anything else, then yeah, those numbers are accurate. Yeah, I, I just want to then- um, uh, just uh, advocate for that number one. That's actually how we built the founder and the force multiplier brand. Exactly. It was through the blog. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and it's well, like because it gives topic authority, mm. it shows that you care about your audience and you can do affiliate marketing and things through it. There's like all kinds of there's all kinds of collaboration that you can do like it's an extremely versatile tool but people often knock it because they're like well youtube and it's like yes youtube and that's important that's important but it's not everything and when you talk exactly they're they're useful but they're not everything yeah yeah in terms of like in terms of uh maximizing your output Mm -hmm. 
I think blogs are still working, but it takes an it takes a, a very educated person mm-hmm. to put together a blog that's going to do that. Yeah. Um, but I, it's funny that you say that because the people that say, "Okay, we'll do a blog," yeah, rarely come back and go, "Oh my god, that was the worst decision ever." <laughs> right? And they're more like, "Thank you so much. I didn't understand, but How now I get." How important it was. Yeah. yeah. So the, the second one for me, uh, is marketing is. Think about your brand colors. Yeah. Okay. Uh, because you pick your brand colors, you get your logo, whether or not you make it yourself or you pay for it or whatever else. And the next thing you know, you're going on, oh, I don't know, a podcast. And you're sitting there going, um, I picked this weird gray and now it's blending in with the background of wherever I am or whatever's going on. And it's like, or I have a convention and I need it on, mm-hmm. you know, a big billboard or something. It's like, if you don't have the right colors, mm-hmm. man, is it, is it tough? Cause you gotta, you either have to completely rebrand yeah, or like figure some creative solution. And so that's the first thing is like, think about where every, where all your brand is going to be. And yeah. the second thing is uh, people forget that colors invoke emotions Mm -hmm. and they invoke um certain ideas Mm -hmm. uh and so the colors that you choose about your brand are the are the most i would almost argue the most primal way to communicate what you do Mm -hmm. i don't exactly like the word primal but it's the word i got for the moment yeah yeah. Um, so it's it's the most subconscious understanding that anchors all the other bits and bobs that you have yeah. from uh, your blog posts to your landing pages, to your home pages, to your um, TikTok and your YouTubes and all the things, um, those colors anchor all of that mm-hmm. content. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to do a luxury brand and you don't have rounded earth tone colors, mm-hmm. you're trying to do like these massive, like singing neon green and stuff. Um, doesn't work. If you're an established brand, you're going to struggle. Yeah, I mean, you are. Maybe you are the disruptor, and that's fine. But that's a that's a choice, yeah. and you got to stick with it. Mm. And if you want to be this disruptor, I would say the third thing that you really need is to make sure that you understand your brand's voice. Oh yeah, you you have to understand. That's what, that's what we do. <laughs> but we, you have to understand your brand's voice because if your branding is off even just a little bit in who you're trying to talk to, the audience is going to sense that. I mean, okay, sometimes, sometimes it doesn't matter because if you have a really good product, maybe that will keep going. But in the beginning, and that's the thing, in the beginning, you'll sell. But if you do not continue to develop your brand and hone who you are and keep that, relationship in your audience's mind after they've bought your first product they, they're not going to come back yeah actually sorry go ahead i was just going to say um i i think we we hear this the whole concept of brand voice a lot but mm-hmm. what does that mean exactly is it just oh, okay i got it so what i was i was literally about to give an example oh, good <laughs> <laughs> so um you have to think about like uh if you close your eyes for a minute and think about somebody that truly makes you happy. Right. So like, for me, that's my Nona. for some people, the grandma. grandma. Okay. That's my yeah. grandma. 
Um, when I think about her, like I can sit and close my eyes and think about like what she would say. Her voice has a very um, quiet, but but authoritative, like heavy Italian accent, mm -hmm. right? Um, and just the sweetest, most round words, like, you know, like, you know, always asking, do you want pie? Can I make you some food? Please come in, sit, have a glass of wine, you know, <laughs> all of these different uh, phrases and behaviors. And there's intonation yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, that is a brand's voice, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and so when you're speaking, like quite literally, when we're talking about the written word, there is sentence structure mm -hmm. and like consistency and sentence structure and different stylings of, you know, the, the classic one is Oxford comma versus no Oxford comma. Yeah. Right? That's the classic. That's the, that's the one that everybody's going to know, but there's a mm -hmm. lot more to that. Um, that's branding voice. Uh, and, and that's only one portion of it, because then on top of that, on top of the stylistic, then you have the content, which is like, come in, sit down, have a glass of wine, yeah. have some food, you know, these type of things. Let me turn on a show for you. Or would you like that? You know, whatever. Yeah. Talking about my Nona. Um, <laughs> sweetest woman ever. Would you like some tortellini or would you like some ravioli or whatever? Um it's like, it gives you that comfort and that warmth and yeah. it lets you know where you are. Yeah. And so that's what the voice is about. So maybe you want that warm, inviting brand, mm -hmm. or maybe you're a skating brand or like a skateboard yeah. brand and you want an edgy, like people kind of like have the hair sticking up on the back, back of their neck. Maybe yeah. that's the voice you want. Um, that's what you're doing, right? Yeah. That's through the written word, visual colors, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And the end goal of establishing your brand's um, voice is to make your audience feel at home. No mm. matter who they are, no matter who you are, yeah, the absolutely. goal is to make them feel at home. That's what builds brand loyalty. Mm -hmm. So if you want people to remember you and you want people to remember who you are and to come back again and again and again and not just search for a knockoff product on Amazon, you have to ground yourself in who you are and why you're there for them. Absolutely. And that will come forth through your branding if it's done right. Mm. Absolutely. Could not I've say it. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I've never actually heard um, anyone describe it as um, making you feel at home, but I mm. think that that encapsulates brand voice so well, like I haven't heard before. So thank you for sharing that. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, okay, I've got to ask you this, and I actually think you wrote a blog about this recently about mm -hmm. at GPT, just oh, yeah. AI. I would love to know as strategy, uh, you know, content strategists and brand experts and and content writers, what mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on all of the AI tools that are coming out, and how are how is that going to change things, or will it change things mm -hmm. for business owners? Well, firstly, uh, I think our, we have a podcast on that. Yes, Actually, I think it just it came was, out. Yeah, it was our first episode. It was our first episode. So oh, great. Oh, we'll link to that. Not plug, but plug, plug, plug. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you want to give her, you want to start? Um, yeah. So the quick and dirty version is that the, the conversation seems to be, is AI going to replace um, all of these different jobs, right? And so for the sake of 
conversation in this context, we'll talk about content marketing and copywriting. Is it going to replace um, your creatives, right? Yes. And I would say in short, no, it won't. Um, I would say that it's certainly come a long way. I've played around with several of the tools just because I've been curious, you know, like yeah, I mean, who, who isn't curious at this point, right? right? Um, but I would say from what I've found, if you give it a good prompt for a short form piece, it'll spit out something decent and then you might just need to tweak it a little bit. But when you're doing a long form piece or you're doing something more intricate or you're doing something very specific that's going to need um, some research behind it, mm. you, it's really only useful for brainstorming purposes um, to help get the ideas out of your head and onto paper beyond that you really need to go in and make sure that that language is correct, that that structure is correct, that it's conveying with every single word what you need it to. I had a writing teacher once who told me the point of your final draft, whether it's a book or a script or um, a piece of freelance writing, is that every single word means exactly what it is meant to. Mm. And if it doesn't, you are not ready to publish it period. And so that's the kind of dedication that we like to put into each of our pieces. Um, and AI can't do that. Yeah. Do you, and does AI, yeah, I thank you for sharing that. Cause I'm, I'm super curious about the tools as well right now, especially yeah. because we do a lot of, um, writing as well. And, um, I, it makes me a little nervous. I'm like, do, do are they going to just take away all of our creativity and where, where does our brand brand voice exist? And where does our yeah. creativity exist when, when we are using these tools or other people are using these tools, right. but is the AI able to um, pick up on those subtleties and nuances of the, the brand voice mm. at this point? I mean, I'm um, at this point, but. Okay. So that's actually a fairly complicated question. Yeah, I would agree. Because, uh, so if you got a couple hundred thousand dollars, yeah, <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> Fair enough. Most of us, sorry, we don't have that laying around just for fun. Um, maybe you do, I don't know. But you can train, uh, mm-hmm. you can train AI database through databases, uh, specifically language modeling is what I'm going to talk about yeah. here. Mm-hmm. So there's different language modeling, like chat GPT is a language model, mm-hmm. um, or it's a, it's a, um, I want to say an obfuscation, but that's not correct. It's an abstract, uh, it's, it's a layer on top of a, a main, um, language model, but that doesn't matter. Sorry. Um, so you can, if you're like a computer sciencey person, upload files to a database in which that uh, AI will read all those different types of files, mm-hmm. but they have to be formatted correctly. Yeah. And then they'll, they'll, then it has more information and therefore it can write on more things. So if you feed it specific things for a specific voice, you might be able to get it to, to uh, mimic a specific brand voice. Um, I think we might see that more in the future, mm-hmm. but that actually makes our jobs all that more valuable. Okay. I'll give you an example. In the 
uh, what was it, the late, uh, the early 1900s, uh, hat makers were still a very big thing, okay? Uh, but they, they were starting to die out uh, after the Great Depression. Um, and actually like our, like my grandma and stuff. So in the fifties, the, the girls of the fifties and stuff stopped wearing hats. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the hat makers went out of business. Uh, but the hat there, and, and the, actually the trade almost went entirely uh, extinct. However, now it's first of all, experiencing a, another resurgence because our, clothing has become so standardized that people need expression in some way. And so hats are a really great, great way to do that for women, especially. Um, but now that craft has so much more purpose than it did at, at the beginning of the 1900s um, or into the 1930s and 1940s. And I think we're going to see something very similar. Um, maybe because of the speed of technology, it's really hard to say. It could be six months or it could be 15 years. I think we will see language models and AI help with our systemization of our businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, But when it comes to marketing and it comes to storytelling, Mm -hmm. you, a human, a human is the only one that can tell stories with such compassion mm-hmm. and such uh, such in-depth emotion yeah. that you can train a computer, sure, but the computer doesn't know when to pause. Mm. A computer doesn't know when to pitch the voice up or down, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and maybe we can train that. I don't know, genuinely. But that's where writers are going to become the bad, the the mediocre, the sub-average, and even the average, right? They're just going to get wiped out yeah. eventually because the AI will eventually be able to produce. But the people who focus, uh, or the writers and the marketers who focus on human connection, mm-hmm. you'll always win. Yeah, you'll always win because humans know, like you know, when another human is talking to you. Yeah. Let's just talk about dialing into, I don't know, your favorite credit card company or your bank. <laughs> Hello, you know, please yes. press one, right? Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> um, you know, you can make that voice more human-like, sure, but you know, it's not a human. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, that's um, such a, a great point about, and we see this in all sorts of different industries. We, we're also in um, the real estate industry, but it all mm. it's just all coming back to this concept, not concept, but re-emphasizing the human connection and almost anything that we do with as technology continues to evolve. You're right. It's going to eliminate some jobs. It has throughout history, right? Um, As you mentioned. And so um, there's always going to be innovation because that's just what we do. And um, innovation or becoming more niche or becoming more expert or or writing is becomes um, more of a craft yeah. As you're mentioning with the hats, um, or simply that um, the focus becomes more on that human connection rather than, uh, you know, some of the stuff that can become systematized. Uh, right. But you can't replicate that human connection yet. Um, right. Yes. <laughs> yet. Yet. Yes. Awesome. Um, what are you guys working on next? Uh, the big. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. So. Uh, 
right now our company is just experiencing some amazing growth. Yeah. Uh, and so like, first of all, that takes a lot of time. Yeah, it does. Uh, so that's a really exciting thing. We're looking to expand and mm-hmm. start to hire more people, um, more very highly specialized roles Yeah. Uh, rather than kind of people that wear multiple hats. Uh, so like on one end, that's what we're doing. And mm-hmm. that's, that's for the company. Uh, the other thing is like, we are looking for, uh, we want to start a couple blogs of our own mm-hmm. uh like we already have yeah we already have blogs of our own that we we practice things on and see what happens yeah. but like we want to develop some more um more hobby blogs i guess is the way to put it things that we are just generally interested in yeah um and see if we can turn those into businesses so i think we have 10 or 12 different blogs that we want to yeah want to kind of wow. throw out there into the world and see what happens to them and maybe those are all multi-million dollar businesses or maybe we're going to lose a lot of money but it'll <laughs> be fun way. more than likely they'll perform fine. Yeah, they'll perform right. And I mean, right, blogging is low, uh, low cost to entry, generally. Yes. Low cost to entry. And it's one of those things, like like Derek said earlier, it takes time. It's, yeah. it's a delayed gratification game, but when it pays off, it pays off. And it right. pays off consistently. Yes, as long does. as you are willing to do things right and do things well as you're going along and not quit. Yeah. yeah. I but don't I, think people, Oh, sorry. I don't think people realize how many people became millionaires because they were blogging. Yeah. Like I, I, it's actually quite a few. (laughs) I know. Well, I was, the one that comes to mind immediately is didn't Tim, did Tim Ferriss start out as a blogger? Is that accurate? Oh, goodness. I don't know. I'll have have to look that up. I mean, obviously we know. Google it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Google that later. That's awesome. Um, where can our listeners connect with you to learn more about your company and about your upcoming blogs? So um, we are most active on LinkedIn right now. Um, they can search for Variantista, but they can also search for me. That's where most of our content is at the moment. Um, on our website, there's our blog. Um, and we're also expanding into doing Instagram and Twitter and things like that. But right now, LinkedIn is the best place to get a hold of us. Yeah. So everything's at Variantista. Oh, and, and there's a YouTube channel and a podcast. Yeah. Subscribe. Please check out the podcast. Uh, tell us how, tell us how to improve uh, <laughs> <Please>. <laughs> because uh, we're learning. Um, and, uh, we're really excited to be on this adventure, uh, Mm -hmm. because we've kind of been on the other side of this, right? We've done Mm -hmm. a lot of this for other people uh, and they've made a lot of money and had amazing success with it. And it kind of, we hit one day where it's like, wait a minute, we we need to do this more for ourselves. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, definitely you can check out the podcast on YouTube and Mm -hmm. Spotify. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'll put everything in the show notes. And I just want to thank you both so much for sharing so many great tips, um, sharing about your entrepreneurial journey, and that the fact that you are, you're constantly iterating, and testing things out, and that you're sharing that with all of us at the same time, which is a beautiful thing. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having us. It's been a good time. It's been great. I've had a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome.